Welcome everybody to this brand new podcast, It's a Crazy Life. My name's Sarah and I'm just a crazy lady on a mission to motivate, educate and inspire you on your very own journey to become the best version of yourself. This podcast is dedicated to raising awareness for mental health whilst helping to end the stigma. I'll see you on the other side. Welcome back everybody to episode three. I hope you're all keeping okay and I hope you've had a great week so far. Today, as promised, we are going to be talking about my journey. We've heard about my mental health story, what conditions I experienced, but we've not really delved into anything other than I saw a psychiatrist and a counsellor. So I thought today we'd go a little bit deeper into that and actually what I did. So my recovery journey took approximately three years in total until I finally got myself into a solid place where I could deal with most things that I faced. Not all, but most. (laughs) I saw the psychiatrist predominantly because after visiting the doctor and being told there was nothing wrong with me, even though at this point I was hearing the angels as I as I called them um, the doctor told me that he wouldn't help me until I was clear of all substances because at the time I was smoking cannabis snorting cocaine and drinking quite heavily I in fact promised the doctor that I would as of that day do anything absolutely anything I could to help me leave this horrible place I left the doctors and I set about my mission I was determined that I would beat this once and for all. It was not having any more of me. I remember I went into town, went to the pound shop, got myself um, a diary, some stickers, some happy stickers and some sad stickers and some highlighters. Basically because I'd read in a self-help book that the best way to sort of change a habit was to treat yourself like a child and you know, like those those boards that children get where they get gold star or they move down if they do something naughty, you know, the one. So I kind of did that for myself. And so every day I would have a list of things that I had to achieve. So I vowed that each day I would eat right, I would exercise, I would drink two litres of water, and most importantly, no drugs or alcohol. And then at the end of the day, I would evaluate my day. And if I'd hit all of those benchmarks, then I'd give myself a smiley face. If I didn't, and I relapsed and had spliff or whatnot, I would give myself a sad face. And then I would write in the diary what that day was like. It was kind of a way of keeping on top of my mood so I could see what triggers there were in a general week. So then at the end of the week, if I'd have had, say, four out of seven good days, then I would get a smiley face. But if I had majority bad days, then I'd get a sad face and then I'd evaluate the week and look back at what had happened. I didn't cheat um, throughout this experiment as I was determined that this was it for me and I was going to beat this. If I'd had a good week and I managed to hit majority good days, I would give myself a treat. Um, Now, these treats, they were, it was more to do with self-love than, um, you know, like a Chinese takeaway or, you know, a bag of wheat, as that's what I was trying to come away from so I would give myself like you know I don't know go and get my nails done or go and get my hair done or have a nice hot bath something like that so all the treats then fed back into my good vibes 
that way I thought it was a win-win situation. I did it. I managed to do 98 days clean of all substances. I was so proud of myself. I went to the doctors to share my win and bam, there it was. After I showed him my diary and told him how well I'd done and explained everything that I'd done to get myself into this position, he then hit me with the news that now that I'd done that, he would prescribe me with some more drugs. Brilliant. <laughs> I said to him, well, I didn't say, I kind of cried, kicked, screamed and said, this is just not on. You have asked me to get clean of all substances, which I have. I'm now drug free. And you want me to start putting another load of drugs into my system. He then dangled the carrot once again and said, if I didn't take the antidepressants, then I wouldn't get any help. So with the memory of my deal that I was prepared to do absolutely anything. And like I said in episode one, I was going to do it by the book and follow exactly what the doctor said and do my own little experiment with this. I agreed. This was the start of my journey. I then got myself a gym membership because at the time, if you were in receipts of benefits, you got um, a subsidy, which meant you could pay £10 a year and you could pay £2.50 for each class, which was great as I was, you know, I was up against it. I had no money. So I'd go four times a week. I made sure I ate three meals a day, all clean, healthy foods. My motto was, if it didn't grow, I didn't eat it. And I got my sleep. Boy, did I get my sleep. I was prescribed metazepam, 50 milligrams. And if you've had any experience of that drug, you will know that it's a 12-hour knockout <laughs> when you first start taking those pills, which for me was great. I'd take my tablet at eight o'clock, nine o'clock I'd be in bed and I'd be getting up the next morning at about half past eight, which helped so much because I got into a routine, which I'll tell you about next week, because um, that's where I want us all to start with our educational posts. So anyway, with no substances in my system, uh, you know, I mean, recreational drugs, I don't mean prescribed drugs. Um, I knew that I was clear headed, but I was still hearing the voices. I went back to the doctors a couple of months later um, after still enduring these voices and everything else that was going on. And it was like he didn't believe what I was saying. He still made every excuse he could to say that I wasn't doing what I said I was doing. I was taking um, the other drugs with antidepressants. And I, and I honestly wasn't. I was determined that this time this was it. So I left the doctors that day and I phoned my mum because at the time I lived in Cardiff and my mum still lived in the Midlands where I'm from. And I explained to her what was going on and my mum was in a mad panic because my mum didn't know what to do. Um, and I said to her, the only thing I've got left is to pay for a psychiatrist. I will put it on my credit card. I will do absolutely anything to get a diagnosis and to get this sorted because I had no life. I couldn't leave the house. Um, before this 98 days of getting clean and everything, I couldn't even go shopping. I was ordering from Just Eat, paying on my card because, you know, you've got a two-second interaction with someone taking the food. It was awful. I'd lost all of my friends. I was a shadow of my former self, and this doctor was not taking me seriously. So I phoned the first psychiatrist and explained my situation, and his answer to me was, 
<laughs> me and my friends laugh about it. Um, you're way above my pay scale. <laughs> and then he advised me to go and see this lovely guy in Cardiff. Um, £180 a session, I might add, um, but so, so worth it. Uh, when I went there, we got into the room and he put a clock in front of me and he said, now we have one hour, Sarah. This is at five o'clock. Um, and so tell me what brings you here. So I sat there and I divulged absolutely everything. I'd written it all down because I don't know about you, but sitting talking to a doctor is very scary and sometimes you miss out vital parts of information so I thought I'm going to write it all down and get it all out at five to six the psychiatrist turned and said well I was meant to ask you a few more questions Sarah <laughs> how would you feel about coming back of course I jumped at the chance money was not an object for me I was prepared to debt myself for this intervention so the next session come round, again, a question which took most of the time. And the doctor looked at me and said that he had a diagnosis for me. He said, I have GAD, which is generalized anxiety disorder, depression. I am chronically stressed and I have PTSD from my childhood and a slight psychosis episode brought on by the chronic stress and the fact that I had taken um, class A drugs and antidepressants before my brain had fully finished developing at 18. So how many children have we got out there that are being prescribed antidepressants by the doctors right now? This shit needs to stop. <laughs> but that's another show. I began learning about the mind and how much power it has over us. So now I could go a little bit further on my path. Finally, somebody was listening to me. So frustrating. This doctor prescribes me some antipsychotic drugs and told me to go to my GP and he would write the script. When I got to see my GP, another blow. He said he couldn't prescribe me the drugs as they were just too expensive my jaw dropped. Too expensive. I had just been and paid for two sessions with a psychiatrist because you were not giving me the answers that I needed. And now you're telling me that I can't have the drugs that he's prescribed to stop this episode because they're too expensive. I was appalled. I come out of the doctor's surgery. I phoned my psychiatrist. I went back for another session at £180 an hour to speak with him. This psychiatrist was appalled. He got up from his seat, went to the phone and phoned my doctor's surgery. And all I can say was ripped him a new a-hole. Safe to say that I got these drugs. I actually got these drugs. And I phoned my mom and told her about the whole ordeal. She begged me to move back in with her in England and get back into the NHS up here as the Welsh NHS is totally different to the English NHS. I mean, I, I, I had a big case where I actually wrote a letter of complaint to the NHS of Wales because I was told after self-referring myself for counselling, as I have done hundreds of times before, <laughs> that because I'd been in the English mental health referral scheme, I actually couldn't be accepted into the Welsh referral scheme for three years. 
So I did. I wrote a letter of complaint and I got received a letter back telling me that was true. I've still got the letter to this day. So the decision was made. I gave notice on my house, my lovely house that I loved. And I did. I moved back in with my mom back up in Birmingham at the time. In this time, I began taking the antipsychotic drugs. And wow, what can I say? That was the worst experience of any drugs I have ever taken in my life. I thought I had no quality of life before when I could hear the voices, but this was 10 times worse. You were just immobilised, lying around all day, didn't even have the capacity to think, let alone hear any voices. But I stuck with it and I carried on on this journey. After a few months, the decision was made that I didn't need these drugs anymore and I would give it a go on my own to see how I could cope. Brilliant news, no voices. I could finally hear myself think again. I didn't have this intrusive voice telling me where to go, what to do, who to trust, who not to trust. It was pure bliss. So I continued on my self-help journey and found a little gem that I won't go on about too much because, so it's actually the law of attraction that I found. And I started applying it to my life. The results were outstanding. It truly was the catalyst for everything turning on its head for me. Even though when I explained this to my family and friends, they still thought I was nuts. They still thought I was going through an episode and I was talking utter shit. <laughs> but I wasn't. This newfound way of living was amazing. It helped me change my life for the better. I would meditate. I would use gratitude journals, write affirmations over and over again. I got into crystals, anything I could to gain a connection to my higher self. It was on this path that I found the little world of coaching. Maybe not so little now, but that again is another show. <laughs> At this time, I was seeing a counsellor. Um, this is the one in which I paid for, as I just couldn't wait any longer. Um, like I said, when I got to my mum's, I approached the English NHS in September to get counselling. And in June, I called them to see where I was on the list. And they told me the earliest point that I could possibly get to see anybody was August. But no, no way. I was not prepared to deal with this any longer. It was like I was chomping at the bit. I was eager to get back to life. And I just needed someone to talk these final bits through. So I did my research, got on the internet, did my research, and I found a lady who was a counsellor, a psychiatrist, and a coach all rolled into one. I knew there'd be a cost involved, so I had to make the decision to quit smoking. So I gave up the fags, and I got a vape. And the money that I would save from the cigarettes I used as as a way to pay for my counsellor. Because as I said, I was on benefits as well, so money was an issue. But at this time, when I'd found all of this knowledge that had really helped me, I made a commitment to the universe, to myself, that as soon as I got free of this, I would share these secrets of the world as soon as I got to my destination. The pain of waiting so long for any kind of in intervention I wished on nobody not even my worst enemy I had to let others know what I did and how they can do the same hence I'm here on this podcast talking to you today this lady counsellor was possibly the best thing that has ever happened to me 
She is a dear, sweet lady. She's retired now, but her experience and her knowledge, well, the universe really conspired that day. So um, it was while seeing her that I had decided that I wanted to become a PT. Um, as exercise becomes such a massive part of my life, I wanted to do it every day to keep myself in a good place. So I, I started looking at college courses, um, but I actually found a free two-day event on Facebook about coaching in London. And so I went to see my counsellor and asked her her opinion of how she felt I'd get down there and, and be able to go through with the conference. Um, but she said that I was in a good place so that I should try it, let everybody know where I was going and um, see how I get on. But I did, I went and my trip was extremely successful in the anxiety department. I did a little recce the first night I got there and using the tube and the bus and wrote it all down just to make sure I could get there in time and, and what line I needed to get on. <laughs> but what was absolutely crazy was this seminar, what I thought was about PT coaching, but it was actually for live coaches. I didn't even know what one was until I landed there. And when I got there, obviously I didn't know anybody. Um, I met this little lady called Rose and I'll never forget her. She introduced me into the world of herbal remedies and flower essences. I felt so at ease talking to this lady. I told her exactly how I was feeling, what I'd been going through, etc. And the next day, day two of the seminar, she brought in a little concoction of flower essences and told me to put them in my water. And the... The results were amazing. I suddenly didn't feel tightness. I didn't feel like my heart was pounding through my chest. I didn't feel short breath. I was relaxed and I was calm and I felt eager to get on with the day. I will tell you more about these flower remedies. Remind me. Anyway, sat in this hall listening to these guys talk. I had goosebumps all over my body. And I knew in that moment that I'd been brought here for a reason. And this was the career for me. After this weekend, I felt like I had achieved, like I had taken the next steps and I was on to, you know, a new path throughout my journey. I felt like this was a new beginning, something for me to get occupied with and be focused on, creating something that would be, be all about helping other people and sharing my knowledge with them. I was so excited. This was the motivation I needed to really pull my head out of my ass and shake. I worked on myself every day, mind, body and soul. I read books, I completed mind exercises, I listened to podcasts, I exercised and made sure my diet was mostly healthy. Soon the cloud began to shift and I could see and feel the light. The more I learned about coaching, the mind, beliefs, values and the rest, the more I learned about me and I put myself back together again piece by piece. I still have some hang-ups but I am a totally different person to who I was. I'm still scared of things like videos as some of you may know and selfies but I'm getting there. I'm producing this podcast aren't I? <laughs> My journey is a never-ending road and I love the twists and turns it brings. Maybe not at the time but once I've calmed down and found the lesson or the silver lining, I can bring myself back to centre and move on. Although COVID really did pull the rug from underneath my feet. At one point, I thought I was losing it all again. But that, again, is another show. 
<laughs> the key for me has been take responsibility for my wrongs. We can all sit in the victim state and blame our parents or the past for why we are like we are. And some of that is true. It isn't our fault, the circumstances as to which we were born. But it is our responsibility to make sure that we do not repeat that pattern. Two wrongs do not make a right. And it certainly is an excuse for you to sit around and do nothing and wait for the world to come to you. That is what life is about. I said I would be blunt on this podcast and there it is. It may not be what you want to hear, but sometimes the truth hurts. And it's those truths that can cut deep enough for you to take a look in the mirror and ask, how can I? It is those questions that create change and who doesn't want that? I want you to start asking yourself a different question. Instead of asking yourself, why me? Try asking yourself, how can I? And with that question of how, it puts your brain into a different perspective and you can start looking for answers as to how you can make yourself better. As I said before, we all have the answers within us. It's about unlocking them and bringing them to the surface to be worked through. It's no good burying your feelings and hoping they will go away because trust me, it could take years. But that trauma, that pain or that guilt is going to come back with a vengeance. My other biggest takeaway would be don't be so hard on yourself just because you have to own up to what you have done. You have to allow yourself permission to grieve the reason why you do what you do. We all make mistakes and there are reasons behind these mistakes. What are yours? What is your reason? That's all from this episode. That's my journey. Um, it is forever unfolding. I have many things that I want to accomplish and learn so that I can help others with their trauma. Trauma can be a lonely place and it is my intention to normalise these feelings and episodes we experience. The more we accept that this is a part of life, the easier it becomes to deal with our matters. Trust me, this journey has been long and winding, up and down, emotional roller coaster. And yes, it isn't over but I am finally in a place where I am strong enough to stand on my own two feet and give back to the world. That's all from me and my journey for now. I'll see you next week for the final episode of this season, where I share a self-help tool to motivate your mornings and help you have brighter days every day. Stay safe, stay woke, stay well, and I'll see you all very soon.